So hello and welcome to our MBOE Alumni Conversation webinar series. My name is Lori Spadaro and I'm the director of the MBOE program as well as a 2016 graduate of the program. Thank you for taking your time to listen to our conversation and today our special guest is Ryan Van Noy, who's a supervisor maintenance analysis and funding team at Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma. Ryan's also a 2020 graduate of the MBOE program. So Ryan, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Laurie. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So this is really just an informal conversation. And if anybody has any questions at the end or would like to speak to, um, to me or to Ryan, um, our contact information, I'll, I'll make sure that you have that. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about Tinker and your current position at Tinker. So I, as you mentioned, I'm the uh, current supervisor for the maintenance analysis and funding section for the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Complex. So we, we are in the business of aircraft repair for the Air Force, and we're one of the, the three major aircraft repair depots in the United States. We're actually the largest other than um, AMARG, which is out in the desert. Um, which is a lot of people refer to as the boneyards. That's where they go to stockpile all the aircraft at their end of life. Um, so we, the Tinker employs about 10,000 employees. Uh, most, uh, over 8,000 of those are civilians. Um, we have, uh, in my complex, uh, again, we're the maintenance complex. We are over five different groups, um, including aircraft, commodities, um, engines, um, and commodities are those components that go on an aircraft engines. Um, we, we do a lot of whole engine repair. Uh, we have a maintenance support group uh, where they build facilities and do engineering and lab work and those type of things for the other groups in the complex. And we have a software group as well. Um, so that's that's what we do at Tinker. We're, we, we keep the warfighter flying with um, maintenance, repair, and overhaul of aircraft. Great. Well, thank you for that. So before you joined, I guess we should say, so you work for Tinker Air Force Base. You're, you are a civilian employee, but you also are a veteran, right? And so, um, That's and there were veterans in your program as well. And so can you maybe touch upon, I know I didn't ask you this before, but touch upon what it'd be like for someone in the military or a veteran going through this program. If you find a benefit, if you think there'd be a benefit for them as well. I do. Um, I, you know, Ohio state has a very long history of, um, you know, taking care of their veterans. I did actually, um, I joined one of the groups on Carmen that had that sent out all the veteran announcements for some of the events that were going on uh, to get in touch with fellow veterans that were going to Ohio state. That was really uh, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to do a lot of those activities or make a lot of contact because of COVID. But, um, you know, it, it, for my story, though, you know, being a, a United States Marine back in the early 90s, I did a tour in Somalia and then transitioning as a civilian to the Air Force was a big was a big switch. Um, but I've had a long, a really good long career with uh, the Air Force as a civilian. But, um, you know, being a veteran and taking advantage of um, you know, your GI bill and certain, um, you know, funding mechanisms you have to go through a program like this. I think that's important. I know that's what the veterans group at, at Ohio state, I saw a lot of, um, traffic on Carmen about that. Um, I, one thing I noticed, they, they were just always reaching out to help people, right. And veterans need that, you know, they need to be a part of a group, um, with, 
with a common history, you know, and, and a common background. And, um, you know, veterans are all, are all about being a part of a team. And that's what MBO, MBOE is really good at was the, the, you know, us being, me being on the blue team, us splitting up into our own teams and working on projects together, uh, going to Gimba uh, with the Middle Ohio Food Bank. I think that was really um, in, in spirit with the military style. You know, we, you always go out as a team, you train together as a team, you learn from each other, um, you build each other up, you back each other up. I mean, that's, that's, that's all hallmarks of uh, military um, uh, leadership. I mean, that's another thing with the MBOE program was the leadership aspect falls right in line with um, some of the things that you learn in the military about um, different traits and characteristics that you learn for me as a United States Marine and, and, and you know, um, employing those into what I'm doing today and what I learned in the program. So um, I hope that answers the question, but it was really, uh, really good experience as a veteran. I know they were always reaching out um, for fellowship or uh, for programs or different, uh, fun, you know, just different things they had going on. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, so one thing you touched upon is, is being on the blue team. So in the MBOE program, uh, the students are, are split into home teams and they're by color. But as Ryan alluded to, you're in that team working on certain things and then you get split up and you work with other teams. So you not only know the, get to know the people, you know, typically in your own home team, you get to know everybody, you get to work with and know everybody in the cohort. And, you know, with COVID, uh, we weren't in person, but this cohort, the cohort that Ryan just graduated um, from was only in person for three sessions. So they didn't get the full experience as far as being in session for eight sessions together. But, you know, we've also transitioned this to a hybrid program. And so you can be in person and you can be home and just as as your needs, you know, whatever your needs are, if you need to be home that week or, you know, you can't come to campus for a session, you know, that's OK, too. And everybody learns differently. But you do get to know even if you're doing this virtually, you get put in 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 breakout rooms with certain people working on simulations and different things. So you do get to meet everybody and there's great networking. So go back to, to talking about MBOE. So before you did the program, what kind of background or experience did you have in lean or OpEx? So the, several years ago, um, Tinker Maintenance, Tinker Air Force Base and Complex Maintenance, um, it started implementing um, lean concepts into the maintenance environment. And that's where I, that's where I worked at the time, being a, a former B-1 bomber mechanic, being a former um, scheduler for the KC-135 aircraft, where, where I would uh, assist the supervisors in scheduling workload and making sure uh, the aircraft load uh, uh, to the schedule or for our target. Um, they, it's, it's kind of a funny, ironic story. They, I was the third or fourth person that they asked to go to this lean green belt training and nobody really knew what it was about. Um, it was offered actually through another university in Oklahoma um, to teach uh, lean concepts and um, process improvement to the workforce. So I volunteered. I said, yeah, I want, I want to learn more. So I think it, it started out as kind of a hunger to, to know more about problem solving and, and leaning forward and, um, you know, how can we make our processes better? So I actually got Greenbelt certified back in, I, I believe it was 2003, um, through the university, through university here in Oklahoma. 
And then I got put on special projects where we were working a lot with theory of constraints. Um, a lot of different contractors would come in and we would improve processes. That way we'd integrate new systems into our process, new, new computer systems, software systems. Um, so that was kind of my first, um, you know, first exposure to lean and, and Six Sigma and um, process improvement at that time. Um, they, I actually went through an actual green belt course as well. I didn't get certified. I mean, a black belt course as well. I didn't get certified as a black belt because I had to shift back to my normal workload. So I was on special projects for a while. So MBOE, here it is years later, gave me a great opportunity to continue my learning and to become black belt certified in, in this program. So. Nice. So that's, I guess that leads to my next question is why you decide to do MBOE. So they offer, um, you know, through the Air Force complex, uh, very, very highly competitive, very selective. Every year, the complex um, picks certain folks to do one of three different programs um, through three different universities for the master's for a master's degree. Uh, you know, right away, um, I mean, it's Ohio State, you know, it, 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 it goes without saying the reputation of, of Ohio State, what type of school it is. Um, I, I mean, the, rep, the, the, the reputation preceded itself when I, you know, I have a, my wife has some family history, had some family up in Ohio, up in Youngstown. Um, so it was just appealing from the bat from right off the bat. And then I started looking more into the program. The other two programs were more aviation related or aviation leadership. Uh, but this program, it, it, it felt like it had more, it, it, Another a, a deep analytical dive into Six Sigma and statistics is something that I, I was curious about, and wanted to learn more about. I felt like years ago when I didn't get my black belt certification, I, I thought, hey, this is a good opportunity for, for me to finally achieve that. Um, so that 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 was, a you know, it was just a real appealing program when I started looking into everything that OPEX was about. Um, and the leadership aspect really appealed to me because I feel like I'm a student of leadership and I, I always hunger to learn more. So those, those are the things that stood out. Just, you know, Ohio family, the reputation of Ohio State and the MBOE program uh, would allow me to continue on with that uh, black belt certification. Nice. Yeah. So part of this program is you, you mentioned the black belt certification and the analytics. So, it, you know, you have to you have to know how to to get the data and what to do with the data once you get that data. And so we, you know, the whole, the whole year you're in this program, you're learning about analytics and really we're preparing you to take your Lean Six Sigma Black Belt Certification Exam. And so with this program, you either, you take that exam and you either get the green belt or you get the black belt based on the score of your exam. And you have the opportunity then to, to if you got the green belt, you have the opportunity to take the exam one more time to get the black belt. So that's that's what Ryan's referring to as far as the, the analytical portion of this program. So, you know, now that you had to, you know, you talked about leadership too and, 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 and learning leadership. So how do you feel, or do you feel that, you know, MBOE enabled you to, to lead your teams and help them adapt to the change that, that not just normal change, everyday change, but the change that we've had over this last 10 months has it been a benefit to you? Uh, absolutely, because um, it, although we didn't know this was going to happen, um, 
you know, in, we had to shift pretty quickly, even where I work, because a lot of my folks are high risk for COVID. We had to shift to a telework environment since uh, I've got some folks that have telework since last March. Um, so MBA, MBOE gave you uh, some really good tools about, you know, humble inquiry and some of the guest speakers we had, like the Richardsons for Toyota, uh, the, those different things that those little different aspects that they would teach you. On, on having respect and, and, and using humble inquiry with your team and with um, other offices or other organizations or other businesses that you may come into, into contact with was extremely important and really helpful to shift to that, that virtual environment because so much gets lost um, in translation through uh, texting and email and you know we don't always have the capability or we the air force had to grow into this video conferencing um, telework environment so it it to have those skills to that that we were taught to work with your team to understand and listen to their you know their voice of your i, I call it the voice of your team you know uh, for lack of a better word to really understand where they were coming from and to lead them uh, effectively so um, very very helpful to, to my leadership ability. Great. And then another thing that, you know, to touch upon another thing you talked about is texting and emailing and things like that, especially with everybody teleworking and, or whatever that case may be, you know, the message can get lost or somebody's it, you know, it thinks you're inferring one thing and you're not right. You know, so you're right. You have to be able to know how to ask the right questions which questions to ask, how to, how to do a humble inquiry, you know, and make people feel like they're, they are part of the team and they, you know, they're part of the solution as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Ryan, can you touch upon what your capstone project was and, and how implementing this project and did you have to stop during COVID and, and restart? Did you have to, did you, were you able to work on the same project from start to finish and, and really what the ROI was back to Tinker? Yeah, so the, mine was a budget improvement project for a type of uh, workload that one, one of the groups that I mentioned before, or maintenance support group that does um, internal work for the actual Air Force and in, into the complex. It's an expense to us. So it, it, it was very challenging because we started off really well uh, doing gimbal walks with this particular organization. Uh, we, we did get some really good information and feedback going to Gimba and learning, um, uh, going to the source and learning from those folks exactly what their constraints were, what their problems were, um, and getting that feedback into how that affects budget. So, um, of course, COVID hit. We couldn't meet as much. It took, you know, that, that was a challenge. Um, there was a, a certain time I thought, where the, 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 pro, the MBOE program said, hey, okay, but due to the pandemic, you, if you need to shift projects, you can do that. But after um, meeting back with my leadership, they said, no, we're, we're still interested in this. Let, let's continue on. So, so we did, um, you know, we started virtual meetings and um, virtual teaching and learning about, um, you know, the different tools that you do in the problem solving process, like using SIPOX or value stream mapping, uh, cause and effect diagrams, just things like that. We were able to do that virtually and, and I was able to present it virtually uh, using Microsoft Teams, for example. That was a really, really valuable tool and it still is today, um, especially for um, leader standard work. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, yeah, so 
just to continue on, some of the feedback uh, when I gave my outbrief to my director on this project was um, they they were they were extremely happy with the results, but the challenge is the next step. What what can you do going forward? Um, and what he he was interested in and seeing where this project would go next. So there's always so that's something to keep in mind when you do a a process improvement project is there it's like a never ending cycle, you know, it's, it's like PDCA plan to check act, but you also, uh, what they'll teach you in the program too, is about many, you know, uh, baby a threes can, you know, doing other projects, what can this spread to and what other things can you uh, attempt to fix? What other opportunities you have? Um, so that was his challenges on this particular project was, okay, great. We closed this gap, but, um, what are you, what can you do going forward to do more with less is how he put it. Not, and we're not talking about firing people, but Hey, how, how can we, how can we measure this better? How can we see, uh, how can I get more work done, but probably less manpower? We shift that manpower around to other areas where they're more um, cost-effective. Right. So that's, it, it was really successful. Um, Leader, uh, my leadership was extremely happy with the project and the growth that they saw uh, me coming out of the MBOE program and graduating from Ohio State. It was really, uh, really beneficial. So I plan on taking that to the next level. That's great. So one thing, too, you talked about is is when you do a project, a continuous improvement project, and you know, you get through and you 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 know, figure out what the, what the problem is and you do root cause analysis and then you experiment and then you look at the data to see if you're actually making a, a change, but you're, you're right. You're never done. You're continuously improving. And like you said, there are some other projects that come out of a, a big project. So you have baby A3s and, and hopefully the people that you're teaching when you go back on at your team, you go back to work from, from each session We'll be able to to understand the terminology and know the tools and be excited about it and then potentially work on some of those baby a3s too so it's really more of a learning cycle not just for you but for for everybody involved for your team for your organization you know and hopefully a change of culture as well so absolutely um one one note also laurie is my director is a is a data-driven uh, a data-driven guy, you know, he said it's, it's extreme. It's extremely important that you always have data uh, in any project that you do in, in any, any kind of challenge you come across any kind of project you're doing, or um, you know, that elevator speech that you may have because you, you always want to come to, to, to the table prepared with data uh, behind your process. Right. Because I think what we learned early on in the project is, okay, it, you can have a process, but if you don't have any measurable data, it's really hard to determine what, you know, a, a problem solving path for that. So it's always good to, to make sure that you have a process in place, you have measurable and collect, collectible and measurable data in order to be successful, right? So. Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, if you don't have that data, how do you know that you're making a difference? When you put your, you know, improvement process in place. I mean, you, you know, you know, if something doesn't work, the people that are working with this, whatever that project is day in and day out, know if something's not working, but if you don't have the data to, 
how can you compare? How can you see where you are and know what the gap is? If you don't know, you know, in this program, you, you, you know where you are and then you know where you want to be. And then there's this gap and that's what you're working on with that to get through that gap to where you, you know, ultimately what your, your target is. And so if there's no data, you, you can't, you can't work on a project. There's, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, so so what do you think, um, Ryan, is one specific or foundational concept that you learned while you're in MBOE? Um, you know, just how valuable um, huddling with your team can be. Um, we, we have, um, and down in maintenance where I work, I work in the business office, but we are over the, the maintenance groups. But down on the shop floor, they call it uh, walking the wall. So they, they do these periodic walk the walls every week to show their production metrics and how they're performing and they're measurable. But in my, and in, in even with my capstone project, we never really um, had done a business office type project that related to what was going on down in, in production. So, uh, but it was a budget process that we had control over that we were measuring. Um, so incorporating, um, I can't tell you how important it has been that I've incorporated huddles into the three different sections of the office that I supervise today. Um, some of those areas, we still have the actual board in progress because obviously in a, in a virtual environment, we don't have a physical board, but um, we've thought of creative ways like creating a, a, a huddle board on a, on a PowerPoint, you know, that you can just move around and change as needed. Um, it's extremely important that you have your, um, your team's buy-in um, uh, my suggestion would be not to strong arm them into it, but make it a team effort that everybody has input into and everybody has a voice into because otherwise it won't be successful. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get some pushback because it's new, it's changed. It's, uh, it's something that they're not used to doing. Um, I call it bird dogging. You don't want to, you don't want to come off as micromanaging, but, but it's still like Rick Guba says, how, you know, how do you know you're having a good day? And that's something that, my leadership is actually repeating now something they're interested in wanting to know from the folks is, Hey, we know we're productive, but how do we really know, you know, what data are we collecting? How do we, how do we visualize that? So um, just, just leader standard work, huddle boards and humble inquiry were, were really three foundational um, concepts that really um, stuck out to me that, that I really incorporated what I'm doing today. So to go to your, to your huddle boards or, you know, so did you have different tiers? So how did you, how did you incorporate that there at Tinker? So I just, I, I started off kind of small. I picked a section of the office that I knew had a, a standard process, um, something I knew we had data on that was measurable, but also, um, you know, it, it was just, it, it's not like some of the other sections that I have where um, they're more driven towards budget and it wasn't just such a streamlined process. They, they work suspenses and things like that. And there's certain times a year they're busier than others. I wanted to start with a section of the office that had a process already established that I could measure that we could, that we could truly know how, if we were having a good day. So, um, you know, it's been up and down, it's work in progress, uh, but we're still doing it today with this particular team. We do it, we don't do it every day. I would start out by trying it every day, but sometimes you got to dial that back because of uh, the different workloads that your folks have. They could be busy, 
doing certain, uh, some of their daily functions, certain times of the week. So it's something you really got to consider doing one every day. I just said, you know, just kind of try it. Um, you even start out slow. You can pick one day a week. That's another section of my office is, is not so labor intensive, but they, but they perform a, 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 an important function for us. Um, they're more of a data analysis section for different aspects of the complex. So we started off doing them once a week. So it just kind of depends on how busy your folks are, what, what their workload is, do they have a process in place? So I started off with our funds management section and still, we're still having it today and it's, uh, it's pretty effective. We're, we've gotten some good results out of it. Good. So do you, so do you have like the tier one, then you have a tier two and perhaps you or, or uh, leadership goes to that huddle and not maybe the tier one and have you escalated like to a tier three and tier four? Not everybody does that. Yeah. Um, wondering how, how, how you've set that up. We have incorporated a tier one and a tier two. The tier two is a little hard to get to weekly because of uh, our, our office is extremely, uh, you never want to use busy as an excuse, but you do, you have to fit things into schedules when you can. So we actually incorporated our tier two into what we call um, our walk the wall for uh, complex or complex business office. So my boss, my, um, my second level, um, my team, this team that I actually, uh, we developed a tier one, they actually um, briefed him up to the tier two level uh, on one of the walk the wall. So that was pretty successful. And now some of our sister offices are incorporating our huddle board concept into their huddle board, huddle board tier one and tier two. So Good. pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Dude. That's awesome. So Ryan, what advice would you give to, to someone that's thinking about doing this program? Um, you know, stay resilient. It's challenging, but not impossible. Um, you know, I'm a guy that hasn't been in a college level math course in probably 20 years. Um, I'd never had statistics before in my life, but, uh, through studying and hard work, you can do it. Um, it, it's not impossible. It, the program gives you all the resources you need to reach out to them, uh, for help. You can rely on your fellow cohort members. Uh, and, and the, we, we develop study groups amongst ourselves. We always try to, you know, study together, prepare for these, for the exams and things like that. So it, it may seem overwhelming at times and the, and the analytics are challenging, but, but you can do it. It's, it's definitely possible. Yeah, absolutely possible. So yeah, you're, you're right. It is challenging. And we say an average of about 10 hours a week on homework, you know, and, 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 and part of your homework directly correlates with your capstone project, right? So, you know, you're working on something that is part of your job. It's not something extra in addition to, right? It's going to benefit you and your company. So. Sure. It's not foreign. I mean, it's, it's something you're familiar with. And, and that's the really cool thing about the program is you can, you know, you can take your data and incorporate it in, the, in some of the tools. I think we're using mini tab at the, or you can use mini tab where you're using jump at the time. There's different kinds of software tools you can integrate your data into, and, and it's pretty cool to see what that result. I mean, it's pretty eye-opening when you see the visualization of that data. Um, it's really helpful. It's it was really good. Uh, I I really got a lot out of that aspect of the program. It was really interesting to me. So when you do when you were saying you were doing like your value stream mapping and and that those things from from you know a distance. Um, 
and you're using Microsoft Teams, we're using anything else like Mural or Lucid Charts or, or any any other tools to help you. Obviously, with trying to do all that virtually yeah. while you're on Zoom call or Microsoft Teams call or whatever, how, is there anything else you use to help do that? So luckily, we started a little bit earlier. So I, you know, I, there's a different ways you can do it so we did start early in person on white on a whiteboard we did use some sticky notes but there were so many whiteboards in the room i could just draw on the on the whiteboard and take take photographs so that was pretty effective but when we did transition to uh and it seems like COVID hit right after that so we transitioned to a virtual environment so i use my uh, visio a lot um the the Air Force doesn't have a lot of fancy um, tools that are allowed on their network, I'll say. So we really had to kind of get creative because, you know, we have some tools, but outside of Excel and PowerPoint, maybe Visio, and now, well, we have Microsoft Teams and we can create dashboards there. We didn't have a lot of really high speed tools like Tableau. I think some of the organizations start using Tableau and Appian and things like that. So we're, we're experimenting with those things, but we had to get really creative because, you know, these, the software costs money and, and it, it, it's, it's hard to get a, a license for as an Air Force employee. So, cause we try to be as uh, fiscally sound as we can, but um, yeah, I, pretty much um, Visio was pretty handy because you can create that, you know, I remember creating my cause and effect and my value stream both on Visio. So. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it can be done. Like you said, you just have to be creative. Sure. Um, sure. So, uh, and then finally, so how has MBOE influenced your personal life? So, you know, we heard professionally you've, you've been promoted and, and you, you have your team and, and things, but what about personally in, in your everyday, everyday life? It just gives you a different mindset even just the simplest problems you come across in your everyday life, you know, you just start looking things at a, a little differently. You know, I can, I can remember even going to the airport and uh, as I was waiting to fly back to Oklahoma from one of the cohort sessions, I looked around and I'm like, wow, they took all these seats out of this area to make a call center that no, it's nobody's using, but there's people sitting on the ground and standing up. I'm like, that's really, you know, they need to fix that process. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you start, you just start noticing little things, uh, you know, even in your, you know, it could be simple as cooking. It could be simple as uh, just something with your car. I mean, you start getting into that, that improvement mindset and it, it really does rewire your brain in a, in, in a way that um, you just become a, 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 a master problem solver. So um, again, just, just being at Ohio state was an honor and privilege to me. Um, you know, people know that I went through the program. They're like, wow, you know, you went to, you got to, you got picked for Ohio state and you did, you know, I was like, yeah, it's, it's a really good program. So, um, it, it just kind of gives you a, a different mindset on, on problem solving. And really what it all comes down to is, um, you know, people are important. Your teams are important and how you lead them is important. Uh, empowering your teams and listening to what they have to say, um, that that was a huge, uh, not not that I, you know, I, I thought I had pretty good leadership skills before, but it really emphasizes um, humble inquiry and how you treat people and right. how you, you know, and having mutual respect for your team 
Um, cause if you have those things, that's, that's like gold, you can accomplish any task or solve any problem. Right. People just need, you know, people want to be included and they want to be part of the problem solving, you know, atmosphere basically. So great. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. And so if anybody has any questions about MBOE or they'd like to talk to Ryan about his experience, you know, please reach out to me and I can get you in touch with Ryan and, um, you know, we love to have you come into the program. You know, it, it starts again. Um, it's one cohort a year. So we start the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So there's some time, but, you know, please reach out if you have any questions. For more information on the Master of Business Operational Excellence Program, visit fisher.osu.edu backslash MBOE. <laughs>